This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Thursday, May 6th. You're listening to the College Football Daily my name is Trey Scott. I'm joined for the first time ever in College Football Daily history by Patrick Brown of Go Vols 24-7, one of several excellent Tennessee reporters we have on that site. I think the last time we talked Tennessee was Wes Rucker breaking down the uh, palace intrigue of Jeremy Pruitt. And so what do we do for an encore? We bring in Patrick Brown to talk about a spring that I think went pretty well all things considered for Josh Heupel once the game had wrapped and all that stuff. Patrick, it, it felt like for for a little bit there with Henry T out the door and Quavaris Crouch and the arrests of a few players, it felt it felt pretty bleak in Knoxville, I thought. Yeah, and, and Trey, I, I've been working here for four years, so I don't know why it took you guys so long to get me on this podcast. I don't, well, I don't it's know. Only who, two, who do it's I... only two years old. It's only two years old. All right, so I don't need to go looking for somebody to blame just yet. All right, no, yeah, it's been um, it's been quite a tumultuous offseason for Tennessee for sure. You had that one day in January where Henry Toa, Kavars Crouch, Eric Gray, uh, and Jameer Johnson, who was their starting left tackle, all went into the portal within about 15 minutes. They all popped in there right at the end of the day, and then the coaching change, NCA stuff. It's been yeah, it's it's been a wild, even by Tennessee standards, it's been a pretty wild few months. But spring practice was sort of a chance for Josh Heupel and his new staff to, to kind of settle down and get back to, to doing what they do, and that's coach football. And um, I think this spring for, for Tennessee's new staff was a lot about evaluation, a lot about sort of building sort of a, a foundation in terms of, of laying what kind of culture, uh, laying out what kind of culture you want in the program. Uh, for the staff, it was seeing what they have coming back on the roster. For the players, it was adjusting to a new staff. And, and a lot of it was sort of starting to – on offense, sort of establish an identity of what they're going to be. So th- there's obviously some challenges. This roster is in not in great shape. They've had um, some more defections through the portal that were some younger guys that may not have moved the needle this upcoming season, but maybe long-term guys that were guys that could have been developed into good players. But but they've also been active in trying to recoup some of the losses from the portal and, and bringing some guys in. So and they still not be still may not be done on that front. So the busyness will will go on into the summer months for Tennessee. Yeah, they added my guy Juwan Mitchell. Linebacker from Texas led the team in tackles last year. Added Joe Milton, quarterback from Michigan, who at a certain point last year, after Michigan's week one win against Minnesota, was getting some baby Cam Newton comparisons, which I think is a lesson to us all, but also a testament to Joe Milton's potential in Knoxville. Do you, you mentioned the roster issues. I can't even believe I forgot Eric Gray and Wanya Morris when I was listening to the Henry T night uh, with Quavaris Crouch. That was, that was pretty bad. What are we looking at here? You said it's it's not very good, but I don't want you to pull any punches. Is this is this like close to Vanderbilt, South Carolina territory? Are we are we competitive with Kentucky? Are we you know can we can we be as good as Mizzou? Are we gonna not lose by fifty to Alabama? Like what are we what are we thinking? Well, it's it's a long way up to uh, I don't, I don't want to use the Moneyball quote where it, there's rich teams 
there's four teams, there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's a ball. So I don't think it's that bad. But, uh, you know, I think on offense, they're really inexperienced and entirely unproven at really the wide receiver and running back positions. But they got some talent there, I think. Some young players. They had a few four-stars at receiver in this last class, or, or the 2020 class with Jalen Hyatt, Jimmy Calloway, some of those guys. Bayless Jones is the guy they added as a transfer from USC last year that showed that he could do some things, but then his usage last season was really kind of puzzling. He could be a number one guy. Um, the running back group is They've got Jabari Small, who was the number three guy last year behind Gray and Ty Chandler, who did some good things in limited action. They've got Tyon Evans, who was the number one junior college running back. They've got some pieces on offense. And in the offensive line, they've got a couple guys to replace. Obviously, this is Trey Smith. Uh, they got to figure out who's going to be the left tackle. But I think the situation on offense is a little bit better. Plus, you're, you're having an offensive-minded head coach that Josh Apple's put up points on the board just about everywhere he's been. You know, obviously – at Missouri, his first year, they were pretty bad on offense. In 2015, he comes in and they made a huge turnaround. Uh, went from averaging, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but they were averaging 500 yards a game his, his first season there when they were barely scoring two touchdowns a game in 2015. So he sort of pulled off one of those things. So you, you kind of feel okay about the offense. I think the bigger roster question marks are on the defense where uh, there's virtually no depth. Even the position group that you probably felt best about was their defensive line. They got out of transfer and, and USC's Caleb Trimbley, and it's like, well, that would not that was not a position you would think going into the spring that they would add a transfer, but clearly Rodney Garner coming over from Auburn uh, got a look at his guys in, in the spring, and, and they went after a couple of other guys in the portal pretty hard, too. They ended up going elsewhere. So that was clearly a position they felt they needed to upgrade. You mentioned Juwan Mitchell. I think he's going to come in and probably start right away. Tennessee was down to, for the last three weeks and for 10, 10 of their 15 spring practices, they had seven guys available at linebacker, and four, three of those were walk-ons. One of them was a long snapper who played – linebacker in high school no. now, he was an all-state linebacker and he's a pretty good guy but I mean he you know for the last three weeks he's been in the two deep so just sort of a, an odd situation there that's why they needed to go out and, and get Mitchell obviously that situation with the low numbers was if two guys go in the portal you have three guys get suspended for a couple different things you have a couple guys not practicing because they're working their way back from injury um, then in the secondary the top line guys are, are pretty solid you know Tennessee secondary wasn't very good last year you think if you know, can you get those guys playing better? That'll help. But behind them, there, there's really not much depth. So I would say the defense, uh, the defensive roster is in a lot worse shape than maybe the offensive roster where you can at least look to some young players that haven't played a lot to have some talent that, you know, kind of did some good things, flashed a little bit in the spring. So I would say it's mid to low level SEC East, right? I think, you know, I don't know what should, what should we say about Kentucky's talent level. They just had six guys drafted and Missouri had five. So in Tennessee was down there with two. So it, it's not a probably comparable to what Jeremy Pruitt inherited. You know, they had two top 15 classes in this class before it got kind of gutted too with some guys getting out of their uh, letters of intent. You know, that, that class was around the top 15 mark too. But, you know, I think it's probably comparable what Pruitt inherited. At some positions, it's it's okay. Other positions, the top line guys are okay, but not, you know, there's no depth. So it's, you know, and again, you have 20 something guys enter the, enter the portal and, and some of those guys for seniors who in a normal year would have just been moving on anyway. So it's sort of kind of hard to measure it that way. But you look at the guys they lost in that 2019 class. We talked about Toa Toa, Juanya Morris, Gray, you know, Key Lawrence was another guy that went to Oklahoma who was their top ranked guy in, in 2020. Martavius French was a four-star linebacker that just went on the portal last week after having a, an off-field issue. So it, it's a roster that it would be in the mid sixties numbers wise scholarship in terms of scholarships, if not for, they have about 10 guys, 10 seniors who are coming back for their extra year. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how depleted this roster has been over depleted by what's gone on over the past few months. It's interesting. You say that, that how they were in a way, I mean, obviously they were just crushed by the transfer portal and, and the, the expectation when the players were transferring that they would have the one year and they obviously got it. But 
to be saved from the mid sixties, which is Kansas level stuff. And we've, we see how long that rebuild's taken up there. I mean, that's, that's at least pretty good. Wasn't the spring game kind of fun though. I got some encouraging vibes from it. <laughs> Maybe it was just like lots of the touch, a lot of touchdowns, but I, th- I thought spring ended on an okay note. I think that was probably intentional. I think they probably told Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator coming over from Penn state to not run any blitzes, play basic, you know, don't, don't do anything catchy or anything and just sort of let the offense sort of display itself because another aspect of, of this takeover for Josh Heupel and his staff is that I mean they took over in late January they're dealing with the NCAA stuff there are a lot of other teams that are pointing that out to the guys that, that Tennessee's also recruiting they're behind the eight ball they might really even some even Heupel and some of the assistant coaches that have talked this spring were like yeah we're definitely behind they're, they're not hiding behind it but they're also, I think, working pretty hard to sort of catch back up, and that's that's all you really can do. But the staff, I think, believes that the way this offense plays, and, and if anybody's watched UCF over the past three years, it's an exciting offense. They go fast, spread the field out wide. They got the receivers. You know, one's on the numbers, one's on the sideline. I mean, it's pretty pretty wild when you kind of saw it from up top and, and watching it in the press box. You know, I, I watched a little bit of UCF, uh, a couple of UCF games back around February after Heupel got hired, and it was a little, a little bit slow sort of see it out there in person to see the splits, see the way they play. You know, I think you can take some confidence if you're a Tennessee fan that they're going to put up some points pretty quickly. Um, now, it, there may be some games where they just struggle. It may be a struggle early on as they sort of get used to it. But you got to feel confident that they're going to, that this staff, they have a system. Heupel brought four guys that were with them at UCF, so they know how to coach it. They know how to implement it. I think they've done a good job sort of getting used to it's sort of this offense is sort of a it has to be sort of a mindset you have to sort of live it breathe it you can't just go out there and play it you got to kind of think that way all the time I think they did a good job uh, making some progress along that front during the spring but yeah you know you, you saw some downfield shots they were throwing the ball down the field they were going fast you didn't get to see everything that they're going to do um, and Heupel said after the spring game that they still have a lot of the playbooks to install which kind of goes back to what I said earlier that they were really just sort of trying to see what they have on both sides of the ball but on offense as well yeah, the spring game, you know, the quarterbacks look good. That's obviously the big question mark that I sort of didn't touch on earlier is, I guess now with Milton, they've got five different quarterbacks in, in this quarterback room and pretty much a, a free-for-all. Uh, it's pretty wide open. I don't think they'll have five quarterbacks on the roster by the time they get to the preseason. But yeah, you, you definitely did see some good things. And, and I think that was by design because, like I said, I think the staff believes that this offense, once they once it's out there and once everybody sees it, they think it'll recruit some big-time guys, some big-time skill position players. They obviously just got pretty good quarterback at Taven Jackson uh, for this 2022 class. That was a really big pickup, a, a four-star out of Indiana. So they kind of wanted, I think the spring game was sort of by design to sort of showcase this offense. They, hey, we're going to be exciting. We're going to be sort of new age. And, and I know the national reaction was Tennessee's offense has been terrible for the last four years. And now look, it's exciting. They may not win a bunch of games, but it might be a lot of 45, 35 games that are at least entertaining. So, but yeah, I, I think there was some good vibes from the spring game just because the offense looked like it, it was going to be sort of maybe as advertised with what Heupel is bringing in from what he did at UCF in Missouri. Yeah, that was my vantage point. I was pleased to see the offensive evolution, I guess. And I, I know it's going to be a long rebuild. I wonder though how fans, and I live in Nashville and I see this quite a bit and I guess I'm on coach number, I guess it's only three, coach number three. Well, technically maybe four, if how long you consider Greg Shiano's uh, tenure in, in Knoxville, but coach number three officially. You had to I bring up Shiano, didn't you? Trey? Yeah, of course. No, no, no. I, I'm never going to not bring that up. But so coach number three <laughs> and each coach had hits a certain point and Hypel hasn't hit it yet where the hype is, is just too much too fast. And and then it all comes tumbling down. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Josh Heupel. I just, do you think the fans, are we bracing them 
because you're bracing me. Are we bracing them over at GoVols 24-7? We bracing them for patience and a multi-year thing because you got the NCAA hanging over Tennessee's head. This is not going to be the traditional right. first class top 15 thing that we're used to seeing, especially in the SEC. This is a class right now with just three commits and, and I'm sure the dead period ending in June will be very good for Josh Heupel and his staff. But I would imagine Patrick, like we got to, we got to go rather slow here or we're going to, we're going to have another circumstance where one loss turns into two. And then all of a sudden we're, we're screaming rock bottom in year two of a regime. Yeah. It, it's, the the problem with bracing a fan base for this is that this is not the first go around, right? You said this is like your third or fourth coach. I mean, it, it's not that Heifel is taking over a program that was bad this past season. Um, this program has been bad for 10 to 12 years now, and it's been at times sort of a, a national laughing stock with some of the stuff that's gone on. We don't need to rehash all that here with Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, kind of what went on with, with you know Pruitt this past season, some of the things that sort of made Tennessee a punchline, you know, the coaching search that resulted in Pruitt. That's what any coach that was going to take this job in late January with the NCAA cloud, that's that's what they were going to be stepping into. And I don't, I don't think really Heifel, I don't, I don't know that he's really bothered by it too much externally. I think that was a problem. Obviously, Butch Jones got too much, uh, got caught up too much in what the perception was. And I think that that detracted from what he uh, was trying to build and got started off on a good path there and, and you know, in, in 2015 and, and that 2016 team that, that sort of fell short of expectations. But yeah, I, I think most Tennessee fans, they're just, they're tired of losing. I mean, they, they like I said, this has been a, a decade long struggle, a decade long wandering in the wilderness. And so, you know, but, but I think the, you know, I think the reaction to Typhoon has been, it was a little mixed, a little bit reserved at first. You know, they, they saw a coach that took a team that was, coming off an undefeated season. Uh, they won their first 12 regular season games back in 2018, right? And then last season, they went mm-hmm. six and four. Last season was weird for everybody. I think that sometimes gets lost. But I think they started to sort of warm up to what Heifel is doing. He sort of changed a lot of things about the program. You see, you know, you see player, you see Tennessee's Twitter account posting videos of them playing dodgeball after a workout, you know, after the spring game on Monday. I guess it was last week. They're out there playing softball as a team, players versus coaches, just, and as a fan, you probably, you know, you want to see wins, but you like to see that too, because last season was miserable for everybody on in this program. Um, and so you sort of like to see some of that upbeat stuff, some of that sort of that, that, that different vibe that, you know, you see on social media, you hear players talk about when they talk during the spring. So, and then they started, you know, they bring in some guys that, in the transfer portal and, and obviously with, with Haven Jackson as well, I think that was an important uh, guy to get after what happened with Ty Simpson early on. I, I think, pretty clear and and i do think we braced fans for during the will they or won't they fire jeremy pruitt segment of the offseason like okay if, if they fire him some of these guys there's there's going to be a lot of guys that leave and they're going to be big names and that happened so and, and you know we sort of said that too with this this in-state recruiting class that you know the 2022 class in tennessee is really really good and tennessee has started out way behind on a lot of guys and they're playing catch up with a lot of guys and they're probably not going to get a lot of these guys and i think we've braced um i think you know there's some early optimism there's always optimism trey right around the off season you know always. by august tennessee fans will be talking to themselves into eight and eight and four you know the schedule's not it, it's not the hardest schedule obviously tennessee plays georgia florida and alabama every year those are three likely losses you know but then they play you you, you can talk yourself into some of those games being toss-ups right because they play south carolina they play vanderbilt they play Pittsburgh in week two. I think that's going to be a tough game. You know, what does Ole Miss look like with Lane Kiffin? What does Missouri look like? You know, even even with Tennessee's roster situation the way it is, it's, it's not a 
you know, those, those Ole Miss and Missouri games are games where you're like, okay, this, this roster on the other side is way, way better than ours. Like it's going to be in those other three games. So that optimism will, will, will continue to build though. But I think this is a fan base that's sort of warming to what this new guy, this other, this next new guy, he's the third or fourth. I can't even keep count of how many new guys this has been over the last decade. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I came on in 2010. So I was in there the first duly season. So I don't, I, I already lost count. But, uh, but yeah, I think they're starting to warm to it. But I also think they know in the back of their head, like this is gonna, this is not gonna be fun. There's gonna be some brutal Saturdays this fall, and there's gonna be some brutal days over the next few months where you know this recruit that Tennessee really wants is gonna pick somebody else. There's already sort of been that. You know, I mentioned Ty Simpson. There's been some other guys that are in-state guys that have been priorities for that were priorities for the former staff that the new staff just they don't have time. You know. They, they can't build a relationship with these guys because they're talking to them over Zoom. They can't get them to campus. Obviously, that'll change next month. And, and if you're Tennessee's new staff, you hope that you can turn some of those, those face-to-face interactions that you've not had into maybe help that sort of help you catch up. But I, I do think Tennessee fans, I mean, they, they've been through this. They know they know it's not going to be easy. And But that's also the hard part of it because you've been patient for so long. It's kind of hard to ask them or expect them to continue to be patient because they've been doing that for a decade plus now. Look, I just want you to know, I was going to end this conversation by saying like, mark your calendars, October 16th, Lane Kiffin comes back to Knoxville. And then you said there are going to be some brutal, brutal Saturdays this fall. And I just started like laughing over here. I was like, man, Tennessee, like. That could be a brutal game for the scoreboard operator. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. They, uh, there were some brutal Saturdays. Yeah. There were some brutal, brutal Saturdays last fall. There have been. I'm rooting for Tennessee. I think a lot of the college football media has enjoyed watching it be kind of a mess, but at the same time, we are all ready for Tennessee to be good again. It's one of those programs, Patrick, you know, just like a Texas or a Nebraska, that it's it feels like the sport's better when they're good. So let's get them up there. I, I appreciate that you, that you're practicing patience and, and preaching patience as well. Uh, make sure you're following Patrick Brown on Twitter at pbrown247. Our producer is Lance Glenn. I'm Trey Scott. Everyone have a great Thursday. We will talk to you tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.